0: I'm always delighted to be asked to preach. So contributing to a series on the parables of Jesus sounded great. However, when I discovered that I had been allocated the persistent widow, my heart sank. And since as since I was a child, I've never really found it all that straightforward. As we already heard from the Bible reading in Luke Luke 18, 1-8, the story is on the surface very simple. As we already heard on, from the Bible reading in Luke 18, 1, the story is on the surface very simple. And Free Bible Images, is, which is a website which I thoroughly recommend, is, has actually got some excellent illustrations that I'm going to use. So I'd like to go through the story again with a bit of realistic interpretation. Luke, as we've heard, helpfully introduces this parable by telling us who Jesus told it to and why. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. And so Jesus said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. As his disciples knew, and this image tries to illustrate Jesus was referring to a town or village judge. They didn't sit in a formal courtroom, but often under a simple canopy to shield them from the sun, perhaps with one or more assistants. Their role was to adjudicate on local civil disputes, not to apply the criminal law. This kind of local justice is probably still common in many parts of the world today. I don't know how they got the job but these judges were clearly powerful people making decisions which greatly affected the lives of others. They would probably be open to bribery and corruption, just like happens today. Jesus doesn't paint a very positive picture of this judge. He only seemed to care about himself. You couldn't be very hopeful of getting justice from a judge like this, could you? In this Jesus now introduces the only other character in the story. And there was a widow who kept coming to him with the plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. The judge was an important and powerful man. In Jesus' time, as still true in much of the world today, a widow was about the least important and least powerful individual in society. Jesus didn't say she was poor, but that would have been expected. We're not told what the injustice she suffered was. Most probably someone, perhaps a landowner or even one of her own family members, was treating her very badly. They were probably depriving her of land, an animal, property or something which had belonged to her husband and should rightly have been hers. So the only option open to her was to get this judge to intervene in her desperate situation. Jesus poignantly describes the response she got. For some time, he refused. In other words, she got nowhere. We're not told if he even listened to her case. She likely couldn't, but certainly didn't bring a bribe. I suspect he probably did listen to at least part of her plea, but just couldn't be bothered to get involved. We're only told he refused, and that he did so for some time. For some time clearly indicates that she kept coming to him as this picture shows. I've put the Bible words in blue here to show that I'm just repeating them. And the same here to remind us of her recurring request. And here the judge's recurring response and her persistence in keeping coming back with the same request, which met with the same response from the judge time after time. But she kept coming with her um, were passionate plea and coming despite getting the same response. But Jesus goes on to say, so we've got some black text again. But finally, he, the judge, said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care about what people think. The judge's use of Jesus' own words, previous, the words Jesus used previously to describe him, are an important reminder of the true character of this man. He knows what he's like. He hasn't been changed in the slightest by the widow's persistence. He still doesn't care about God or what anyone else thinks and certainly not about true justice. Yet he says, because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice. He's he's fed up with being hassled. He simply wants her to stop bothering him. It's really getting on his nerves and he's willing to do anything to stop her pestering him. He goes on to say, so that she won't eventually come and attack me. Now the Greek word the NIV translates as attack here, apparently literally means give him a black eye. (laughs) Although it's unlikely he was actually afraid of this dear woman attacking him physically. More probably it refers to wearing him out as some translations put it. But it's surprisingly strong wording. We're still not told what the injustice was or how it was resolved, because actually that's really irrelevant. But it is obvious that he did properly listen to her plea this time, and instead of refusing her request and chasing her away as he'd always done before, he granted it. So she finally received the justice she so desperately needed, and completely deserved. I've no doubt she would be absolutely thrilled. Wouldn't you? But what Jesus says next comes as a bit of a surprise. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Jesus is saying we should listen to an unjust judge. Listen to a guy who's a self serving, uncaring, irreligious rogue who only gave the widow justice because her persistence annoyed him and inconvenienced him. And the statement Jesus makes next also seems rather surprising. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. So in saying this, Is Jesus implying that God is like the unjust judge? Are we to conclude that the way to get God to respond to our requests is to keep bothering him? And what does he mean when he goes on to say, However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Okay, John, I can kind of see why you weren't over the moon about being asked to preach on this parable. So how were Jesus' disciples and how are we to understand it? Well, as we saw earlier, we just need to read the Bible. Because Luke has already told us, then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. So we can stop even earlier and just go home now because there's nothing more to say. Because that's what the parable says. And if we don't get that, we're missing something. Because that's what Jesus wants us to learn this morning too. Well, as you'd expect, I'm not actually going to stop now. When I find a passage hard, I look at a Bible commentary for help. That's always a good idea. Sometimes, as in this case, I find that many commentaries also find the passage tricky And I'm usually comforted a little bit by that. But some commentaries I have are less likely to focus on difficulties in a passage. And one of these is this excellent Wearsby, I never know how to pronounce his name, Bible commentary. It was written by a very godly preacher in a style which many people find very helpful. Wearsby argues, and, and I and all other commentators completely agree, that to understand this parable, we have to recognize that Jesus is making contrasts. Wearsby suggests there are three contrasts. The first one is in verse 1, which is praying contrasted with giving up. The second contrast is in verses 2 to 5, which is the widow contrasted with God's people. And the third contrast is in verses 6 to 8, which is the judge contrasted with the Father. So let's look at each of these in turn. The first one is praying contrasted with giving up. Wearsby says, if we don't pray, we will lose heart and get so discouraged that we want to quit. He rightly argues that if Christians stop praying, they will eventually become so discouraged that they will want to give up. Maybe not just give up on prayer, but maybe even give up making progress as a Christian. And of course, when commentators say what the Bible says, that's useful because in the later verses we've seen that Jesus told us, and we saw it in verse 1, always pray and not give up. As the message says, pray consistently, never quit. But what does always pray really mean? Well, we know it means not constantly repeating words like other religions do, because Jesus told us not to do that in Matthew 6 and 7. Jesus said, when you pray, don't babble on and on as people of other religions do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. I'm tempted to call that parrot prayers. So clearly by saying always pray, Jesus is not saying we should have parrot prayers. No, to always pray means that our prayer is natural, as natural as a regular breathing. Prayer should be automatic to us. It's like breathing, we instinctively do it, except if we're feeling ill or having a panic attack. So prayer should be something we do all the time because it's just natural. We do it almost without thinking about it. The other thing about our prayers is that they really should express, and they do express, the holy desires of our hearts. We pray, and and Elizabeth has helpfully pointed out the dangers of praying wrong things, we pray because they sh- it should reflect the holy desires of our hearts. And sorry, since the kids are out, I maybe can say this. A desire for more Xbox, game, Xbox games, I'm not sure, is a holy desire of our hearts. Or others, it may be different kind of things. If our hearts so desire God and love Him, then it be automatically we want to pray to Him. And our prayers will be the things we want to do to please God, to be like Him. And as Lisbeth mentioned to the children, the ways that we can care for others and be God's representative in this world, and also, always praying is about being in constantly in loving communion with the Father. It's not a situation where we appear in some situation where we don't know what to say because it's embarrassing. If we if we worried, God doesn't want us to be worried about praying. So I hope that that's not a feeling today. You have to pray to a formula. You don't. We should be constantly in loving communion with our Father. Just like these people, these children who are always phoning their parents because they miss them. They talk to them all their life and then maybe they talk to their husband or wife or whatever the situation is. It should be a close relationship and we are constantly in loving communion with Him. And we know how much we need him, so we are petitioning him for his blessing. These are Wearsby's words. We're asking God for his blessing, for his help in each practical situation every day. And that can be true even if we never speak a word. Because Jesus said in Matthew 6, your father knows what you need before you ask him. Not all prayers need to be audible. So I think what Jesus is saying when he's saying we should always pray is that in one sense prayer is an attitude of our mind, an attitude of our, our hearts, and it's something that happens in our whole being. We're in communication with God. And the fantastic thing is that this has been an opportunity available to every single believer. We didn't have to wait. You know, some of us remember when you actually had to find a phone box and some money to be able to contact somebody. We, you know, we've got this idea instantly you can contact anybody, probably even from your watch. That's old hat. That doesn't depend on electricity and prayer doesn't depend on electricity and the power networks. Prayer is a constant relationship we can have with God. And that's what Jesus wants us to do. The second contrast that Wearsby rightly points out is the widow contrasted with God's people. And he beautifully says, because we are not like her, we should be encouraged in our praying. What does he mean? Well, I've drawn up this table here. It shows a range of contrasts and there are many more between the widow and us who are God's people. If we have put our faith in Jesus. The widow was a stranger. She didn't know this guy. She had no relationship with him. She had very few rights. We are children of God. We are coming not to some useless judge. We're coming to a loving father. She had no access. She had no right to get in in front of this guy. She had to wait in the queue. We have open access to God. We can pray anytime. We can communicate with him at any time day or night. She was friendless. She had nobody to represent her. In these days, he usually had to pay a bride. But for a a poor widow, she would need a a strong man to go. Some relative, he could go and plead the case for her. Some professional lawyer would would help. We have an advocate with the Father, who is Jesus Christ, the righteous one. So we have a representative there. We have Jesus advocating with the Father, bringing our prayers, prayers to the Father. She had no promises. We have God's promises from beginning to end in the Bible. We can come to God and remind Him of His promises. We can come to God not just hoping He might listen to us, but confident that He has promised to bless us in Christ. She was coming to a human court. We are coming to the throne of grace. So, the biggest solution to understanding this parable is that it is contrasts. We are so different from this poor widow who had so little opportunity. And there are many more contrasts. She had no confidence in this guy giving her a good judgment or even listening to her. We can have full confidence as we come to God. The final contrast that Wiersbe mentions is the comparison between the unjust judge and the father. He says, If a poor widow got what she deserved from a selfish judge, how much more will God's children receive what is right from a loving, heavenly Father? Which is clearly exactly what Jesus meant us to understand in verses 7 and 8. Where I remind you again, and will not God bring about justice for His chosen ones who cry out to Him day and night? Will He keep putting them off? I tell you, He will see that they get justice and quickly. But Wearsby then asks the question, I guess, that's always in our minds if we read this passage. How then do we explain delays in answers to prayer? After all, if Jeff Bezos can reliably provide next-day delivery, why doesn't God provide it too? And if you're actually in deep distress rather than just an incredibly impatient online shopper, any delay can make quickly seem like an inappropriate word. Weir'sby's own answer to his question is not unreasonable, but it's not entirely satisfax- satisfactory to me at least. He says God's delays are not the delays of inactivity, but of preparation. The ESV Study Bible Gives another helpful explanation. It says from God's perspective justice will come speedily. From a human perspective of course. Justice may seem to be a long time coming. This most helpfully highlights the difference between God's eternal viewpoint. And our typically very short term viewpoint. But a fuller discussion on how God answers prayer and about his delays apparently we need to look at the whole teaching of scripture in this matter which we don't have time for this morning however if we're considering any passage in the bible it's important that we pay careful attention to its exact wording and the overall context as i put verses 7 and 8 back on the screen you'll see that i have eventually that I have again highlighted some of the wording here. Notice the double reference to justice. Notice the reference to who cry out to him day and night. Of course, justice is what the widow was constantly asking for. She wanted the judge to remedy a serious injustice. She was suffering. So it seems likely to me that this is what Jesus assumes God's people will also be requesting in this section. Since the teaching of Jesus in the previous chapter, 17, has been dealing with future end times and his return, it seems to me likely that these circumstances are also being referred to here. So I believe that crying out to God day and night may be referring to the kind of extreme pressure Christians may face in times of great turmoil, for example, intense persecution. The final part of verse 8 seems to me to confirm that understanding. Jesus says, However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Which the message translates as, how much of that kind of persistent faith will the Son of Man find on earth when he returns? This unanswered question of Jesus is both challenging and mysterious. He seems to be encouraging us to practice this persistent faith, just like the widow, but also highlighting that this kind of faith is sadly rare. And that the pressures of unbelief and perhaps the perceived slowness of God to answer our prayers may result in the situation he described in Matthew 24. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. These are sobering words indeed. Jesus is clearly teaching his disciples and all of us to always pray. Just as he continually did throughout his earthly life, However, perhaps in this passage, he's encouraging his disciples and us to have the persistent faith which is necessary in desperate times. I think as we look at the worldwide incredibly intense persecution of Christians today, and if you've not done so, have a look on the Open Doors website and see the countries at the top of the world watch list again in 2022 I think we are probably in times, we're living through times now which needs persistent faith and always praying. And our brothers and sisters who are in persecution, in, in, in prison in jails, if you remember the case of Asia Bibi, the years and years of prayer, when it seemed that God didn't answer very quickly at all, and He didn't in human terms many of our brothers and sisters are going through situations of injustice which are not at all different from this widow. So while Jesus is encouraging each one of us here, whatever our circumstances, to pray for our own situation, to pray continually, to be in an attitude of a prayer relationship with God, I think he may also be challenging us to pray for our brothers and sisters who are facing the intense injustice and increasing injustice as he refers to in this passage because as we consider the future we recognize that Jesus is coming and perhaps sooner than all of us think but I'd like to end by a brilliant summary I came across in my search of commentaries Yes, it sounds as if you just made up this sermon out of commentaries, John. Commentaries can be very helpful. And I've derived this from the Moody Bible Commentary. By the way, I don't sell any of these products, but I totally recommend them. And the Moody Bible Commentary says, In this parable, Jesus taught us that his followers should pray consistently, persistently, and expectantly. If you remember nothing else from what I said. Jesus is asking us to pray consistently, persistently, and expectantly. If I'd seen them weeks ago, these would have been wonderful headings for a sermon. And he also say, they also go on to say these beautiful words. Answers will come. Maybe not as soon as they want or expect. But when they come... They will be understood as having come right on time. Forget everything else said. Remember that beautiful summary. Let's pray. Father God, we have this incredible privilege of in being able to come to you in prayer, whether we've been a Christian for five minutes or seventy years. And your attitude is still the same towards us, your ears is open, your heart is loving, and you long to bless your people. But Lord, first of all, you will honour and glorify your name, and we thank you for that. And it's the glory of your name that we seek and desire today, whether we're in church, watching online now, or we look later. Lord, we wish we pray for your honour and your glory. And all we ask for is that our lives might be lived in a way by the help of your Spirit that we might bring you glory. And for our brothers and sisters in deep pain throughout the world today, we bring them to you. And Lord, we plead for your justice in their lives, in their situations, in their churches, in their families. And we pray for your mercy on us and your blessing as we part to spend this week loving for you, we give you worship and thanks in the name of Jesus. Amen.